This is Luke Walton Talks Lakers. I'm Jonathan Gilley, and joining us as always from our studio in Los Angeles, it's Luke Coach Walton. What up, Coach? What's good, Jonathan? Dude, I got your name right today. You did, man. You got it. (laughs) Off to a good start. Brought your A game. (laughs) I want to thank all of our followers for tuning in. Um, And please, if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Podbean, and soon we'll be on Stitcher, Spotify, and many others. Uh, Also, check us out on other social media, on Twitter, Luke Walton Laker, and on Instagram, Luke Walton Talks Lakers, as well as our website, LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. They're all great follows. Do it. It, It's it's a must. And, like, we've we've gotten more into the habit of posting pick-me-ups after losses. I don't know if that's really for the fans or just more for me, where we'll post, like, a a quality Leangelo ball being thrown in Chinese prison meme to try to wash away some of the sting of these uh, close losses that we've been dealing with. Hey, it's all good, man. Some self-care is always important uh, in these trying times we live in. You gotta look out for number one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, with that, we're gonna jump right into one of our favorite segments, Coach's Corner. Oh boy, Luke Walton's hot. He's gonna get a technical. Luke Walton is, he may get tossed. Luke Walton is, he is hot. All right, coach. So we've had a couple games since last time we talked. We've had some tough losses to the Celtics and the Wizards on a back-to-back, and then the Bucks the other night. Uh, tell us what you've seen. So we need to take care of the basketball, number one. I think all of our other issues are secondary to just the turnovers. How are you going to win games against teams that are arguably better than you if you can't even take care of the basketball? I saw really inspired play, a lot of really good moments, but we keep having that classic Lakers problem that's plagued us for the last several years of having half of a quarter where we play like a high school basketball team, and then the rest of the game where we play better than we actually are. And so we just need to kind of find our cruising altitude and stay confident and take care of the basketball more. Because like against that Celtics team, after I saw that the, the first quarter made it feel like we were going to lose by 45. A lot of good things to be taken out of those three games, but the most frustrating part is we could have won each of them. We just had crucial, stupid, rookie-style breakdowns for at least half of a quarter in each of those games that ended up costing us it. So instead of being 3-0 and on our first real road trip of the season, we stand at 0-3. I think you said it, Coach. I mean, obviously turnovers were, I think, the critical stat in these losses for us. It was funny because watching back through these games, like you said, there were there were stretches where 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 we were great, like we were playing with energy, we were aggressive, we were defending. Where you know I, I really could see the future, where I could look and see, okay, I can see how this team, as it's constructed now, could be you know a, a good team and could make a playoff run. Um, obviously, obviously, you know, like I said, the future they need they need some more work. But then, yeah, there'd be just like a nine-minute stretch where just all come tumbling down. And I guess, you know, I, I guess the question is, like, do you think that that is um, a result of, of the youth of this team? Do you think it's the, a, a result of, of maybe us not really having, um, like, a, a closer, right? Or, like, a fin- like we don't, whoever it is, right? Like, uh, all great teams, at least that I can think of, have always kind of had a guy that, that can always get them a basket, right? And that they can turn to when they're down and who can kind of score in bunches, right? And, and, and who can 
who can hit a couple quick threes or, or, you know, help facilitate some points really fast to kind of, you know, stem the tide, stop a run, get back into it. I guess, what do you, where do you think the, the, maybe not the fault, but the sort of the cause to this? Well, I think a lot of guys are trying to step into that role and are forcing hero ball shots in those key situations. And I think one of the, one of the stranger parts of college to NBA transition is the momentum that is so key in the NBA. Uh, Phil Jackson would talk about this all the time, where if you let the other team start rolling, there goes a 9-0 run. It's like, no matter what you just did, if you let him start rolling, if you let him get a key block, if you drove the lane stupidly like Lonzo's been doing, I have not been enjoying the way that he's been finishing. He's got to work on a teardrop or a floater. He's got to talk to Jordan Clarkson about that one. But just stupid little things where it's like, uh, you know, KCP with the shooting a three with, you know, 15 seconds left in the shot clock. Just like, and then a long rebound going the other way and somebody like Kyrie is able to finish. And we, we just can't, we can't trade points like that. And I think when we, we get into those momentum situations where the other team is starting to pick up steam, I think that's when we start to panic and it just ends up making things worse. We need some guys, like you said, that are, are closer types or finisher types that don't panic in those situations, that really just look to get the stop and look to, to stop the bleeding. Because um, we don't necessarily need to hit them back with a big punch we just got to be able to get back on defense, slow the pace, make them play our game. Um, and so far, we haven't been able to do that. I, yeah, I love what you just said about when, when you talk about a closer, you said someone who can get the stop. And I think that that's exactly right. When, when this, this team is at their best, when they're, when they're able to be in transition and just fly down the court and you know, let Lonzo huck a full court pass to Brandon Ingram like we saw against the Bucks early mm-hmm. in that game. Right. Um, and, and you're right. So I think, I think for, for me, like the, the sort of progression of, of, our, of our failures in these games is it's like a bad turnover. Someone, you know, walks down the court with their arms in the air, like what, you know, like not taking responsibility or blaming someone else for, for the turnover, right? Well, you weren't where you were supposed to be or I thought you were going to be there or whatever. Uh-huh. They don't get back. And then like in my mind's eye, I see Julius Randle doing this, right? Like he, he turns the ball over, although it's not always him. That's not fair. Um, but turns the ball over, you know, saunters slowly back down the court and then isn't in position to to help on defense and then like Giannis is un, is alone <laughs> like uncontested under the basket right right and there's an easy two and like now we're back in a half court set um which which isn't where we're best exactly and then the bleeding continues yeah so i think i think like you said if we if we had a guy who could get a stop then even if even if we have the dumb turnover which which we need to correct but even if we do then at least like mm-hmm. we're able to to potentially, like you said, stop the bleeding and then get back into our transition game. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure in the in the not too distant future we'll be talking about a couple different guys who could potentially be joining the team that could fill that role. <laughs> yeah, definitely some some veteran leadership would help in that regard, <laughs> especially just some guys that can like you know hit 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 somebody like uh, like Lonzo in the chest and be like, dude, just chill. Just relax, man. Right, like, right. don't don't force it this next play. Don't try to drive the entire length of the floor. Like, you're not Russell Westbrook, man. Like, we saw in that first half against the Bucks, Lonzo was playing his game. And that's that's what we want to see. We want to see him moving the ball, you know, only taking the three if somebody goes under the screen. Like, don't force anything. And and I, I don't like it when, when we're playing, like, super high pick and roll unless it's happening really quickly. 
um, because it doesn't it doesn't feel like Lonzo is an effective enough finisher yet at the rim in in like a highly contested situation to be able to pull off um, that style of play quite yet this early in his career. Yeah, I agree, and I, and I think the other point to that is when we're running that really high pick and roll. I think our support players, uh, like the players not involved in that specific motion, aren't good enough at sort of off the ball screens yet, and and moving right, without right. the basketball. And so, what you end up with is you is you know Lonzo and and whoever he's working with, whether it's Brooke or Julius or Kuzma or Ingram, mm-hmm. uh, you know them playing a two man game at the top of the at the top of the key, and then the rest of the players just kind of like hanging out, you know, and like maybe one of them chilling at the elbow, another one in the corner. Um, mm-hmm. but they're not moving, uh, and rotating. Right. And so even if Zoe was able to like get around the screen, he doesn't have great quickness and it's like easy for the defense to close out on him. And then there isn't a, you know, an outlet pass opening up. There isn't an open jumper available for one of those players because, because they're not moving at the same time. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll start to see that, uh, you know, as these players develop and as, as maybe we bring in some players in the future with, with that skill set. Um, but, but for now, I, I agree. I think we need to use his, his bizarrely good court vision uh, to our advantage and, you know, do some, do some more unorthodox things on offense. Like, uh, on the high pick and roll, say that Lonzo's cutting in from the top of the key, why doesn't anybody rotate directly behind him? You know, he's got that really good over-the-head pass, and I swear, he, he'd be able to get penetration and kick back. You know, I always call that the Robert Ori spot at top of the key three. Um, like, yeah. somebody could rotate there, and in a, in a, for a traditional point guard, a normal point guard in the NBA, they wouldn't be open because they wouldn't be seen. But Lonzo would know where they'd be at. Yeah, I agree. There's also, um, the name of it is eluding me, but it's basically like this, this uh, style, this like high pick and roll screenplay that's played a lot in Europe and so of course the Spurs are doing it uh, but the Rockets are doing it the Warriors <laughs> are doing it the Cavs are doing it uh, and essentially you know you have like a standard high pick and roll that at the you know top of the key and then you have a second player basically as the point guard or as the ball handler is cutting towards the basket mm-hmm. um, step in and screen the defender that switched on to him yeah and so you basically, and that's like in the lane, right? So you have your first screen at the top of the at the top of the key or outside the three point line, and then as the player is cutting to the basket, you have a second player, like a second screen, basically set up uh, to to free that player from their defender. Uh, it's it was it's been super effective for the teams that have been able to um, to incorporate into their game plan. I'd I'd love to see us do something like that because we've seen so many of these plays, especially against these last couple teams where our guards are just like getting destroyed from behind from these blocks, right? Like yeah. there's been so many of these where just John Wall or Giannis or whoever just like comes from behind them and just pins the ball against the backboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to see, and, and again, I think some of that comes down to, to quickness for both of those guys, but I'd, I'd love to see us do something to try to get them a little more space if they are going to cut to the rim. Right, absolutely. And those kind of guys are the perfect test. You know, like we're going to play the Suns next. And that's that's not going to be nearly the high-stress situation of somebody coming and blocking you from behind. But when you're dealing with John Wall and Giannis, you know, now <laughs> now we're going to we're going to have the weaknesses in our offense exposed. Um, so so great stuff to look at, great stuff to talk about. Uh, and I think we should move on to Dang, Luol Dang, making some news. You know, just rattling the GM's office as though he's Kyrie with the Cavs <laughs> trying to get that big trade. 
minutes and get his minutes. What do you think about this? Yeah, man, let's jump in. Uh, this is going to be a new segment. We're going to call Moneyball because we're going to talk a little about the money involved in basketball. Money. Money. Moneyball. Money. So there were these reports that came out uh, about a week ago about, you know, Deng wanting uh, a buyout or, or a trade. And he, wow, my dog Kobe just ran on the wood floor and slide and crash, slid and crashed straight into a table. Sorry, buddy. Um, anyways, my, my dog's name is Kobe, uh, for all the listeners, and he's adorable and biting my hand right now. Get your shoe toy, buddy. Um, anyways, so there was this recent report that Deng wanted a buyout or trade, which I, I, feel like, I feel like this segment, based on the next thing we're going to talk about, should be called Smoke or Fire, because honestly, like, like, come on, of course he is, right? Like, He's a veteran guy. He's in like probably the last few years of his career. Like he wants to be playing, right? Like he went from being a contributor and, and expecting to be a big contributor on this team to just sitting there. So like, of course he wants out. Of course he wants a buyout or a trade, right? Like no duh. And, and of course the team wants that too because he's he's got $18 million on the books for, for the next three seasons. Um, so I just think like it's a it's a silly story. It's one of those like well yeah of course of course he did. It's, it seems like so, like some writer had like a deadline and they're like oh shit what do I write? Oh I, I know what I'm gonna write you know and, and then and then it becomes a then it becomes a, a story that gets passed around. But yeah I guess the so the thing that to, that I wanted to mention here is just kind of like mm-hmm. describe the, the the buyout process. Sure. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read you all um, something. Uh, fairly short here. Under no circumstances may a team renegotiate a player contract for a lower salary. So the only way to reduce the amount of money owed to a player is renegotiating the guarantees slash compensation protection in the contract. Fortunately, the NBA allows teams to reduce the amount of compensation protection for the purposes of terminating an existing contract. This is the buyout provision in the CBA. Buyouts work like this. First, a team will request waivers as they would in the general waiver procedure. Second, once the player clears waivers, all compensation protection on the contract will either be reduced or eliminated. And three, the team's right to set off is modified or eliminated. So by reducing protected compensation, the amount of money owed to a player and stretched on a team's salary cap can be diminished significantly. Right, so the, uh, the only problem here um, is, that, is that Deng's contract is fully guaranteed. So, uh, it, it's to be honest, it's unclear to me whether or not that's able to be reduced. I've like read of cases where where teams have been able to reduce guaranteed salary, um, but there's also some pretty strong language in the CBA about not being able to lower players' salary. So, I don't claim to be a CBA expert, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be one on this pod. Um, but he, let me just give you some numbers. So, if the team is unable. Uh, to, to renegotiate his contract down, um, we would have to pay him basically $7.7 million uh, a year for the next seven years, including this current year, right? So the way this stretch provision works is you get to stretch the current guaranteed salary over twice the number of years left on the contract plus one. So three years left on the contract, including this year. So if we stretch it, it'd be six, six plus one is seven. So he's owed 54 million total. So if we stretch that over seven years, it's uh, 
$4 million per year. That's still a pretty sizable cap hit considering the fact that like we need to find a way to dump, you know, $13 million in, uh, in salary for next season. So if we were able to reduce his guaranteed contract, which again, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if we're allowed to do that, um, but if, if we are, for it to really be meaningful, we'd need to be able to reduce it from like 54 to somewhere like 42 uh, million dollars. Which, I mean, asking him to take 12 million less dollars—that I mean, that's significant. That's like almost a full full year salary. Um, so I guess I, my point is just to say, like, even if even if we are allowed to do that, I'm I'm not optimistic that it gets done, just because we're asking to take a pretty huge pay cut. Exactly. There. That's like a mid-level, uh, mini mid-level player at seven million a year so like we can get a good piece for that and I, I would rather not have that chained to our ankles long term especially if this Laker team isn't going to be championship caliber for three more years it's like hell man just take take the hit now and then when the when the championship time comes be able to have some room yeah yeah I totally agree I I don't think the buyout is the best option especially with how limited our cap flexibility is right now, and uh, right, so we'd have to get a bunch of guys for veterans minimum, yeah, yeah. and uh, it would end up looking like those weird LeBron teams where he's got all, every veteran in the league <laughs> with, with ankle and knee problems. <laughs> well, yeah, and also because we're gonna have to sign somebody else other than like if we do sign two superstars next season, our team would be. Jordan Clarkson, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, LeBron James, Paul George. Like, you need a couple more players still, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, who fill in the two superstars, right? But if we sign two superstars, you know, that still only leaves us with, with eight players on the roster and no money left. It's just not, not, the, not the best way to do it. Um, so a similar story we want to move to is we want to talk about the, the I'm doing air quotes here, Woj bomb about Julius Randle that came out the other day. Um, so l- let, me, let, me just, let me just put this out there. Um, I think we're going to take a few minutes to, to discuss uh, our current feelings about uh, the current, um, the worldwide leader ESPN, uh, and, and I'll leave my, my true feelings for, for that later segment, but... I gotta say, I think ever since Woj left uh, left his happy home at Yahoo, now Oath, for ESPN, I th- I think it's been uh, a rough ride for him, right? Like Shams Sharania, his uh, his former protege, is like swooping him on all these stories, and uh, and now he's got this nugget of a story. So uh, he was on uh, ESPN pregame. Uh, before the Celtics game. And uh, he said, he, he, it says, Adrian Wojnarowski reported Randall is, quote, very unlikely to have a future with the Lakers. In quotes, Rob Polinka, their general manager, and Magic Johnson, their president, will be faced with this question. Do they look to trade Randall between now and the February trade deadline and get back potentially a first-round draft pick for him? Or do they roll the dice and wait until summer when he's a restricted free agent? Again, how much money is he getting paid to say this? You and I have been saying this on this pod for for weeks and in private for years. Right? Yes. 
Yes, exactly. This is the dumbest thing. So, so here on this pod, I would like to introduce a new term uh, into the into the the vernacular of sports fandom. We're all used to uh, to the Woj bomb, right? It's when you drop some big story. Uh, I'd like to introduce this to what I like to call the Woj smoke bomb. And this is when he just drops a nothing story just to like put something out there, right? And uh, what's going to be great is when Shams actually reports the trade before Woj does. That'll be my my favorite part about this. Um, but again, like again, this is a non-story, right? Like Julius' contract is coming up. We have a lot of issues with get it, having enough cap space next season to sign the type of players we want to play. Uh, pay plus the types of players that we're bringing in would probably play in a, the same or similar position to Julius Randle, right? Like, this isn't this is this doesn't take insider knowledge mm-hmm. to be able to exactly. And a lot of the players that we'd be bringing in would be bringing in toughness, rebounding, scoring. A lot of things that we're asking out of Julius, just with more experience. And I, I love, I've loved his year. I mean, he's he's blown away my expectations. And so his value as an asset for a trade or even for a championship team is very high. Definitely the highest it's been. So I, I think that the the best potential is a sign and trade. Um, later in the season, especially if he can continues to, to develop like he is. But if, if we're not going to get anything for him, I say just wait until we see what we got on the free agency market, and I'm open to re-signing the guy. I don't understand this. It's like the Lakers haven't made up their mind. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they, they don't know. They're, they're not about to be tampering with LeBron James and Paul George <laughs> and be like, yeah. okay, yeah, we know exactly what our future is. No, they're just as in the dark as the rest of us. They just don't have to write stories every week. Right. I mean, if the last couple of years of, of off-seasons have taught us anything, it's that it's really hard to predict what these players are going to do, right? Like, I think the 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 way that we used to understand player decision-making in terms of free agency doesn't really hold up anymore. And saying that, like, someone has a house in L.A. or they're, they're from L.A. or their family wants to live in L.A. Um, isn't really, like, a very good justification for saying that like that player is certainly going to come play for the Lakers now they're they're constantly traveling it's not it's not like just because LeBron plays in Cleveland everybody connected to LeBron has to live in Cleveland although his barber does his barber did have to move from Miami to Cleveland (laughs) I didn't know that yeah he he uh he he hired his barber on full-time salary to move to Cleveland with him to to always be able to line him up so he for sure wants to come up to LA (laughs) <laughs> yeah, of course. We should look into his barber. There are probably some tenuous L.A. connections there, too. There you go. Or maybe that's how we influence this whole thing. Oh. Get the barber whispered in LeBron's ear. There you go. We should, Someone should buy the barber a house in Los Angeles. Rob Polinka, get on it. There it is. You hear it here first. Luke Walton talks <laughs> Lakers. LeBron's barber wants to move to L.A. <laughs> That, that that feels like a like a USC under Pete Carroll move. Oh yeah, I like it. But yeah, I guess the you know so the, the point of the point of saying all this is that, like yeah yeah like I guess unless we get something really great for Julius, but again I, I think we would we'd probably want to ship him away and not bring back a contract. So it'd probably be you know draft picks or or an expiring. Um, we'd basically be giving him away for 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 nothing in the immediate term. And I don't know if we really want to do that, given the uncertainty we just described in, in these free agents. All right. So with that, that was Moneyball. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to be moving on to another new segment. Uh, we're going to 
head off to the tropics to a beautiful paradise. Uh, we're taking a, a quick seaplane to Lonzo Island. Luke, so nice of you to join me here on Lonzo Island. It's a beautiful day. I've never seen anything quite like it before. I mean, it was stormy and cloudy and raining and and uh, we were getting rocks thrown at us, but Zoe recorded the youngest ever triple-double in the NBA and the sun is shining on Lonzo Island. I think we want to jump into to sort of uh, Zoe's game against the Bucks and more broadly. So I guess, Coach, he, like I said, youngest ever player to record a triple-double in the NBA. What do you have to say? Well, I think we're, we're starting to see the game slow down a little bit. And th- this wasn't against a nothing team. This is against the Bucks. I mean, they've got, they've got hard defense. Uh, but I, I think one of the, one of the interesting uh, things to note here is the style of the Bucks' defense. So they are a team that tries to have no mistakes. You know, they try to be up on you. Yes. They, they're, they're not the drop style defense that a lot of teams like the Clippers, the bigger teams play. And I think that that's where Lonzo excels, is when you've got guys that are really trying to hound every player and you have a really up in your grill, uh, man-to-man style of defense. Um, when guys start moving and, and Lonzo starts seeing him, he can really pick apart squads like that. Uh, I think we'll have a tougher time against zones and against more drop style defenses. So both of those things I think contributed, but I think the really the biggest thing, Lonzo hit a couple shots and it's amazing what hit a cu- hitting a couple shots can do to your confidence. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think we saw him, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, um, finishing more intelligently when he did drive the lane. Um, it wasn't that kind of like weird drifting from the side runner that he's been kind of doing a lot of and missing. And what that opens up is that like once he starts finishing, then then the guys have to start you know respecting him when he drives. And then he's a, then he he had a couple like beautiful dribble drives where he dished out to someone or where there was like another big cutting next to him that he was able to you know pass the ball too quickly. Um, loved seeing it. But uh, so I guess. Something that you'd pointed out to me before is is kind of Lonzo's defensive shot chart. Mm-hmm. I was impressed by by what I initially saw. I mean, I think uh, he's being he's being aided by like some some pretty solid uh, team defense at times, right? But we see like there there are some some spots on the floor where he's actually defending pretty well. Um, so opponents are shooting only 25% from three in general against him. Uh, 44% from mid-range and 38% from inside. So, I mean, there there are some sections of the floor, uh, basically all of them, where, like, they're 0 for 5, 1 for 8, 0 for 1, 1 for 3, 3 for 6. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe we haven't played the, the best three-pointing, three-point shooting point guards in the league. Um, but nonetheless, like, I think, I think it's an encouraging sign, right? Especially because of the sieve that we had playing defense last season at the point guard position. Well, and Lonzo actually uses his length, unlike D'Angelo Russell. You know, Lonzo's uh, getting up, contesting shots, and I, really, like, who wants to try to shoot a three over guys like Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo, or Brandon Ingram? Just f- given their length. Uh, you, if, if you have the choice of trying to have a super high-arcing Derek Fisher-style three or driving the lane, most people are going <laughs> to choose driving the lane. And so that's where we're going to see the, the mid-range jumpers being higher against Lonzo, is that he's coming out, he's contesting those three-point shots. Um, so that, that's really helping because we had terrible perimeter defense, and that's what the league is all about now, is having a really strong perimeter defense. 
if, if you don't have anything like that, it, it doesn't really matter what your center is doing. They can't block every shot. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right about that. And you're asking who wants to, to shoot jumpers over over our length, and I think the quick answer is like the starting five of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, the, the dudes with like, who average like a seven foot wingspan, um, and who, you know, like standing side to side could, you know, could run the entire length of the court if they were holding their arms out wide. That's why I loved watching that game so much. Just seeing the few sets. Man, I wish there was more of Brandon Ingram against Giannis. Because, ah, they're, they're such interesting analogs for each other. And if Brandon can get bigger, stronger, and, and better at finishing at the rim, he's got every potential to be that Giannis-type player, but maybe even a little faster. Uh, so, God, it's so cool seeing those guys play against each other. And a great matchup for this young Laker team. I think that we learned a lot playing those guys. Yeah. So, uh, one thing uh, while we're here on Lonzo Island, I think that we both want to talk about is is uh, just sort of like the, the media backlash that we've seen against Lonzo uh, the last week or so. So, I, I guess I'll let you go first, um, and then I'll, I'll with, withhold my thoughts for a moment. So- so Alonzo Island looks a lot like Brandon Ingram Island, D'Angelo Russell Island, Julius Randle Island. <laughs> you mean it's just you and me sitting here by ourselves on these islands? There's always a stupid hurricane after two or three weeks into the season. And it's always the same thing. The bust storm comes through and everybody wants to jump to conclusions based on such a limited sample size and say, they're not living up to expectations. And again, I think that's just a product of wanting to have news stories, but it's amazing. Just like the, the people that put really high expectations on Lonzo Ball were LeVar and Magic. <laughs> like, are you really gonna trust those two guys to have a very accurate metered sense of what a rookie's gonna do? I mean, yeah, like Lonzo hasn't been perfect. He's had a, he's had a terrible shooting percentage over the first few games, but so do so many rookies. And it's it's not it, everything's gonna gonna go more towards the mean over time. You're gonna see some great shooting nights coming out of the kid because he's not gonna finish the season shooting 29% from the field. That's just not gonna happen. Anybody that says it's gonna happen doesn't watch a lot of basketball, particularly doesn't watch a lot of rookies. So. This storm is stupid. It's gonna blow over. It's not gonna destroy any structures. It's just gonna, just gonna blow a lot of wind, but not actually do anything. I don't know, man. Just like it's we so saw every single season. Why do we have to do this every year? It's the same. Yeah. Exact so thing. I, th- I think you know. Here we see again. So silly. The crooked media, right? ESPN and fake news coming through. I just I want to read you two <laughs> ESPN notifications that I got this weekend on my phone, which made me so, so mad. Right. Please. The first one I got was Wizards John Wall disrespects Lakers Brandon Ingram with emphatic block. <laughs> what is disrespectful about blocking a shot? That's your job, man. Right? It's not. It's not. It's not like. It's not like Allen Iverson like stepping over Ty Lue. Yeah. Right. Like the he just he played defense. What's there's nothing disrespectful about playing. He didn't. He didn't like teabag him after he blocked his shot. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. He, he didn't even do the. He didn't even do the stare down. Yeah, he just blocked him. It was a great block. Nothing <laughs> disrespectful about that. And then, the last one, uh, the, the the second one I saw, and actually I just noticed another one that is similar, and it's LeBron throws down massive tomahawk slam after blowing past Rockets Trevor Ariza. <laughs> 
Um, so apparently there's there's a person at ESPN with a with like a block fetish. But the, the other one that I wanted to call out was I got another another notification from ESPN that said Lonzo Ball has second worst field goal percentage, twenty nine point two through twelve games in the shot clock era. <laughs> it's such a reach. What a stupid what a stupid stupid stat. Like, who is looking through this and saying like we're gonna judge the value of this player twelve games into his season? And just totally blast him, right? Just go soch on him and just totally troll him on social media. Oh, yeah. Right, like, like if Deadspin posted this, that's one thing, right? I, I wouldn't be mad if Deadspin or, like, if, you know, whatever, Barstool Sports was, like, trying to troll Lonzo on, like, through, you know, phone notifications. But, like, you're supposed to be the worldwide leader in sports, right? You're not, you're not like, a, a Reddit, like a subreddit. <laughs> It's such a reach of a stat too. It's like it's like through through twelve twelve games. We can't judge this on the last ten. <laughs> and it's not even number one. It's still the second. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not even the worst. There's still some other sad sad player. It's like, oh man, Alonzo didn't break my record. I hope that player turned out to be great. Oh, I know. Yeah, like they—they they, 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 like failed to mention that player, Michael Jordan. Was LeBron James? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's like you know when you look at like the you know the various ESPN personalities that are calling him a bust, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the least trustworthy sources that ESPN has, right? Like it's uh, it's Jalen Rose, who I love, but who like is a like habitual bad taker mm-hmm. and Laker hater, and it's Steve. And Laker hater, and it's Stephen A. Smith, right? Whose whole job is just to stay, is just to say dumb, stupid, exactly. crazy shit. Because he's got he's got a proven track record of not knowing anything that he's talking about. So, yes. so it's like the, the people the people that actually have a reputation to protect aren't going to say anything because they know that this isn't going to stay the case. It's such a such a such a false stat right now. And also part of part of the reason why it looks so low is that his usage is way higher than a normal rookie point guard. Uh, yeah. At, at 20 years old. That's a great point. So, and it's going to go to the mean. It's gonna, He's going to end up with a decent field goal percentage, especially towards the end of the season. He's going to have some games that he's going to be very efficient, especially as the team starts moving the ball a little bit more and, and cutting down on the turnovers and hitting their open threes, all these basic things. He's going to have a better percentage by the end of the season, and all these people that are that are running to the hills and screaming are going to look so stupid very, very soon. Even this, even this last game made them all look dumb, right? That they made this big deal twelve games in, and then thirteenth game he has a monster game. It's like, all right, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the timing could not have been better for him. One thing that I that I really loved is that. Uh, you know when the world's biggest Celtics homer, Bill Simmons, comes out and compliments a Laker? Like, you know, like, you know that, that that's, like, probably not a, not a bad take. And uh, mm-hmm. I can't find the tweet right now. But Simmons basically, after the, after the Celtics game, was like, like, the Lakers have a good player here. And, um, yeah. oh. like, they should, like, Laker fans should be very excited about what they saw tonight after this game. Um, and again, like this, this is coming from like the biggest Celtics homer, Laker hater in the world. So even he isn't saying that Lonzo's a bust, right? And this would be like classic Simmons fodder 
Well, he still has some taste. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's fair. That's fair. All right, so we're going to jump into our last segment here. This is a new one as well. We're going to jump into our Twitter mailbag, uh, where we talk about, you know, just one or two cool tweets that we got uh, from the fans on social media. So, uh, Luke, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand this one off to you. I think you're best suited to introduce us to this tweet. So, before I get to the climax of the show, <laughs> I just want to give you a, a taste <laughs> of what, um, what my terrible, terrible thing that I'm doing on Twitter. So my handle is Luke Walton Laker, and I'm not being disingenuous here. I have on there very clearly Coach Walton in quotes and and refer people to the podcast so anybody can listen on here and realize this is not the real Luke Theodore Walton. This is Luke Francis Walton. Um, But I I, want to give you just a taste of what I'm getting, all of these hot takes. Let's hear them. Because it's, it's, it's pretty great. At Luke Walton Laker from Oscar Bill One, the three ga- sorry, this is so insane. It's hard to even read. The three game that I lost, you lost it. Ouch! Just, just like ranting. You have a good team, but what you have as an assistant does not help you at all. Was he? He's firing off at, at Brian Shaw. Yeah, he's firing off at Brian Shaw now. What? What did Brian Shaw do? I don't know. That? I don't know. That's not fair. We love that guy. Hey, man, your ego- equalitarianism. Wow. Your equalitarianism and rotation is killing Brandon Ingram and this Lakers. You heard it there first. Equalitarianism <laughs> killing Brandon Ingram's game. So just just like really good, good stuff. I, I'm I'm getting, uh, getting lots of hot takes. A lot of people want, uh, want more Zubots, which is strange. I think people just like change. <laughs> they think that... They think that this team is actually going to win a ton of games if, you know, just you tweak, make a few tweaks. Right, let me let me say something very clearly. Zubots is not the solution. Uh, DJ Mike in the mix says, Them people ruin your, ruining your career numbers as a coach. Run for the hills before it is too late. Save your numbers. That might not be bad advice. The real, the real highlight here is, oh no. Oh, okay, there's an update. Oh, interesting. Uh, we'll we'll okay. get deeper into this. So their uh, Longitudinal Technology Limited is a sports analytics uh, m- medicine injury prevention uh, company. And this is, this is a, a fully uh, public information that they posted on their public Twitter, so I'm not reading you anything confidential here. But they... It's also on their on their website. This is a, a study on their website that anyone can read. Yes. So this so Logarithmic Technology is Limited. They uh, reached out to me, uh, Coach Walton. Uh, they omitted the, the quotations for some reason. Reached out to Coach Walton and let me know that the Lakers organization could have prevented Larry Nance's injury. And they knew how. And so I'm going to read you just a taste of what, of what we've got going on here. So, Susie Roberts, RNBS, from Logarithmic Technologies, writes... Medical professionals can't prevent injuries. They can only treat them once they have occurred. We know how to thwart them. Our powerful analytics can be utilized to provide individualized training routines, which when implemented by the team's training professionals will result in injury resistance and prevention. Sounds good enough? Yeah, great. Plenty of companies trying to use analytics to prevent injuries. So once an analysis of a player's natal chart is completed, we also complete a transit chart for each 
city that the team is scheduled to play in. A natal chart is where the planets were on the date, time, and place of birth and represent who you were born to be. A transit chart is the date, time, city, and state on a game day. At this point, we can assess the compatibility between a city and a player's performance. Due to differences in longitude and latitude, each city's planetary transits will be different, and thus each city will have a distinct influence on player performance. And here's where it gets good. The Lakers have lost power forward Larry Nance Jr. due to fractures of the left thumb and second metacarpal, an injury that our analytics could have prevented had the Lakers been our client. It is due to the powerful effect of the interactions between the transitioning or the transiting and natal planets that resulted in the injury. They go on to show an entire uh, astrological chart where all of the different signs and inner wheels and Pluto, the planet of power and intensity, is the sign of Capricorn, is transiting the planet Uranus, also in the sign of Capricorn. So watch out. Larry Nance is going to break his thumb. Right. The sign of Capricorn, which one of the things it rules is the bones. (laughs) Both planets are exactly 17 degrees on top of each other, a powerful position. And here's my favorite part. There's just a word by itself. (laughs) Quincunxing. Not quite sure what that means. It's it's also in another place. And then here's the best part. The ascendant in the sign of Gemini, which rules hands, is transiting the third house, which rules fingers in the sign of Gemini. And Luke, how does this conclude? This concludes in the injury. There it is. So we're gonna of course we'll, we'll pin that we'll pin that to the Twitter Luke Walton talk uh, Luke Walton Laker at Luke Walton Laker. So you can see that that'll be the pinned tweet. Uh, I I highly recommend checking out this uh, cutting-edge sports science. And by cutting-edge, I mean outdated by a good 2,500 years. It's certainly a heck of a read. (laughs) I told him that I'd pass it on to the team, and Jonathan, you are the only other member of my podcast team. There, we we had a conversation. And I think uh, I suggested, I don't know if you did, I suggested that you ask them to predict the next player's injury as a sign of good faith. And uh, guess who just got a... A uh, direct message. No way! Yep. No way, what'd they say? <laughs> okay. Quote, The power of forecasting meets the consequences of choice. All, all caps. Note. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Note. J- J- Jason Randall. <laughs> Jason Randall from November 14th through November 29th, 2017, all caps, do not play him. There is a critical injury aspect forming in his chart. If you'd like to see my findings and discuss further, please email me. Oh, no. All right. What's going to happen to Jason Randall? What's going to happen to Jason Randall? We have to find this Jason (laughs) Randall and warn him. If there's a Jason Randall out there, don't play basketball. Don't play basketball. Wait until after the 29th. Well, I think it's fair to assume that they meant Julius. So, Luke, I mean, if if Julius, uh, if he gets an injury in the next couple weeks here, maybe we have... Uh, oh, my God. Maybe we have something something special on our hands here. Um, yeah, I mean, if we have some sort of psychic ability to predict Lakers injuries... I don't, I don't really know what to do with that information other than just kind of feel sad. Joking aside, I will take them very seriously if this actually <laughs> yeah, plays <I> out. <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> it's gonna take three for me. They got they got they gotta call three injuries. Okay. Okay. That's if they would have gotten if they would have gotten Gordon Hayward, then I think I might have been a believer. Ooh, man. I don't know if anyone could have predicted that. I know. I'm glad that he's I'm glad that he's doing better. Um, though I still hate the Celtics. I am excited to see him on the floor. I am as well. All right. Well, thanks once again to all of our followers. Uh, please subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Podbean, and soon to be Stitcher, Spotify, and many others. Also follow us on social media so you can hear all of the cutting edge astrological uh, injury prevention tips from our friends. Uh, so follow us at, at Luke Walton Laker and on Instagram at Luke Walton Talks Lakers and LukeWaltonTalksLakers.com. The next pod should be coming late this week and we'll recap this week's games and whatever else happens in Lakerland. Thanks for joining me, John. Thanks uh, for chatting, Luke. Uh, Jason Randall, beware the Quinn Cuxing. <laughs>